Hello, friends, and welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Colleen Johnson, and I'm here to guide us in raw conversations about thriving in life and work so that together we can step into personal agency and stop letting life happen to us. We'll cover topics like health, boundaries, communication, finances, and worthiness. That badass business you've been dreaming of, it's not so far off. The desire to wake up feeling fully alive, it's right around the corner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm so excited for today's conversation with Tentea Yameoka. She is a psychologist and the founder of the Akigai Psychology Clinic. Um, She completed a master's of professional psychology and is registered with the Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency. Um, So Tentea, I'm so honored to have you here today. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me on your podcast today. I'm really excited to be here and to speak to you and your audience. Yeah. Tentea and I got connected this summer. She reached out after starting her clinic. um, And first of all, I'm just honored that you listened to the podcast. Yes, um, I I was really excited when I found your podcast, actually. Um, I was just on iTunes and I love listening to podcasts. And when I came out across your podcast, I um, just started listening to the different stories um, of the people that you were interviewing. And um, one of your interviewers, uh, I think her name is Joy Chan. Is, is, uh, yeah. Am I pronouncing her name correctly? Jo Chen Yan. That's oh, yes. Jo Chen Yan. Yes, her yeah. podcast. That was, that was really awesome. And just listening to her talk about her background story, and I think she was saying she she was studying um, engineering, but then she also went into the arts. Um, mm. Seeing how she had two completely different interests and intertwining them into one, um, I thought that that was really cool. And um, I guess the part of me is also like that, where I feel that I have two different sides of me, two different interests, and. Um, Ikigai Psychology Clinic for me was about trying to combine, for instance, my Western, Eastern and African roots and um, having a place where I can provide therapy in a way that's quite unique, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm so interested to hear more about your story. Um So let's go ahead and dive right into that. Um, I'll just share a little bit here. So for everyone who's listening, part of why I um, started this podcast is to bring to light the real stories behind small business owners and creatives um, so we can learn to thrive together in our lives and work. We can learn from one another and be inspired by one another. Um, So often our stories from how we got got to where we are there, we keep them kind of simple straightforward um, and we throw out the difficult moments and the raw stories that we had to get through to be where we are. Um, So Tintea, I would love if you can actually share a little bit more of your story, how you got to be where you are. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your roots. Um, So yes, share about those good things, but also I'd love to hear some of like that deep gritty stuff you had to get through to get where you're at. No worries. Um, I guess On my journey as a psychologist, I've worked for many different clinics and 
I worked for really supportive places, some places that was also quite difficult. Mm. But um, I always felt that I wanted to start my own thing. And it was difficult because I I was always really passionate and creative and um, I loved being surrounded by people and um, it was a really good experience to work for someone but I knew there was a part of me that really wanted to be independent and mm. I think that's because the type of person I am is quite unique. I, I am different to most psychologists out there or most people out there because of my um, background. So my mother is Japanese and my father is from Ghana and mm. um, I was born in Japan and I lived there until I was eight years old and then I came to Australia. So, and every year, um, oh, almost every year I go back to Japan to see my family and what's quite different um, in psychology is um, Eastern versus Western um, practices. And I think in the West right now, many more people are incorporating um, Eastern philosophies such as mindfulness and meditation into their practice. But I also feel that they're not quite there yet. It's still Mm -hmm. um, in the process of um, making it more of a fluid type of therapy. So I guess while working with others, what I struggled with is the concept that um, they had and the case formalizations that they might have created is quite different to maybe how I would view um, the person's uh, situation or symptoms, which I always see someone um, existing within a context and always taking into consideration the environment Mm. rather than looking at the symptom as a uh, single entity. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm. So that's that's been a really interesting journey, um, just navigating my way through um, working with others. So I decided um, one day actually when my um, mentor Jensen Young contacted me and said, look, Tia, um, when are you going to, to do your own thing? Because it's always been a dream of yours. And I never thought that it would happen so soon. But then when he broke it down to me and said, you know what, just start where you are. All you need is a room and a, two chairs and a mobile phone and a website and you'll get there. Just start where you are. So mm. after chatting to him, I I decided to, to do exactly that. Um, I started researching what I needed um, to start a clinic, for instance, registering my business, um, what kind of insurances would I have to look out for. Um, so step by step, I, I started where I was and um, it has been quite a difficult process because I have limited, for instance, um, um, financial support to create my own business. So everything is out of my own pocket. Everything um, is is just me. So I, I did the my own website, I did my own um, graphic design for my logo, everything from scratch. So that had been quite a difficult process learning how to do that because 
I didn't know how. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's so much work. Um, but it's also very inspiring. I love that you had um, like a mentor in your life to encourage you towards what you already knew to be like true deep inside of like you knew that you wanted to start your own thing. And this mentor like externally was also able to just be like, you know what, you need to start where you are. Like just, you need to go for it, which is so, um, so cool. And the fact that you've like just gone for it. Um, I love that. Um, yeah. Yes. My, my mentor, he's just been such a huge influence in my life. I, actually met him while I was studying my master's of professional psychology and he was the first person that I just felt like wow this guy is incredible I want to be like him Mm. and I did everything I can to learn from him I just got in touch with him after I class and I said you know I just want to be around you I just want to learn from you and Mm -hmm. he really opened the space up for me and chatted with me had coffee with me and he he let me listen to what he did and he really encouraged me about what I wanted to do and I think having that mentor relationship is so important. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. I feel like um, whether it's a mentor or a coach or um, a teacher or like mm-hmm. you, you know they're all so similar but it, it, I think that having that um that person to look up to and learn from is so huge, um, no matter what you're tackling, whether it's a business or in life. Um, so I love that that's a part of your story. That's great. So cool. Yes, I think having a support system is so important because nobody can do anything on purely on their own, right? Like, mm-hmm. for instance, maybe I um, created and started my clinic by myself, but without the support of my mentor or my partner or my friends or my family, cheering me on and saying that I can do it I don't think I, I could have mm. yeah that's so beautiful mm. that's fantastic I know within your psychology clinic so if there's anything else um, in regards to your story let me know um, but I know a big part uh, or a big passion of yours with mm. your clinic is normalizing mental health and you shared a little bit about um, kind of your perspective on this western and eastern um, psychology shift um but I'd love to hear how do you see normalizing mental health a part of that conversation and um yeah I'd love to just kind of hear more about that passion so I guess in western psychology we see people's symptoms through a medical lens and which is that symptom is something within that individual that needs to be fixed So when we look at it that way, then people start to feel like there's something wrong with them Mm. or that um, they might be at fault for having a certain disorder. Whereas my question is always what happened in that person's life? What kind of context did they live in? How did the environment support or maybe even bring down this person that made it so hard for them to get back up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And normalizing mental health is about understanding that we are all vulnerable to having mental health problems. Mm -hmm. So it's not about somebody being weak or somebody being strong. It's just more that 
if you were in that person's situation and those things happened to you, um, maybe you might be feeling depressed too. So Mm -hmm. it's more about understanding that one in four people in Australia um, have experienced a mental health problem and Mm -hmm. rather than seeing it as something wrong with you, it's more about learning different kinds of strategies to see your situation as it is and to take that blame out of the individual and Mm. um, understand that some of the thoughts that you have about certain situation might not be as accurate as you think. So getting another person's perspective and learning to see some of the things that's happened to you as experiences rather than something that's wrong with you. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's like the first, the recognition of conditioning in a lot of ways where you recognize it, mm-hmm. how you've grown up and what you've experienced has kind of conditioned these different symptoms essentially, but then yes. also recognizing that you are not your conditioning. Like you can peel back the conditioning and um, it's not, there's anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It's that those things happened and now you can kind of peel them back and get back to your true magical self. That's, that's how I look at it anyways. <laughs> no, I think that you're exactly right. And I really like the way that you've put it as in like, it's the conditioning and it is about learning to undo or to peel back some of those layers mm-hmm. and to just get to your true self. Cause I think there's always, no matter how bad the person situation is and no matter how hopeless they feel they are they are still alive on this earth and there's something that's got them to keep going Mm -hmm. and my job is always to try to find that like what's keeping you alive today Mm. why haven't for instance if somebody's suicidal why haven't you killed yourself yet Mm. and there's always some kind of hope or dream behind that um stuck situation they're in Mm. and I think it's just about learning different ways to move forward yeah yeah Mm. that's beautiful Mm. Um, so when you actually dive into mental health with people how do you pursue that from a holistic perspective like how do you kind of try to pull in all of the context that people are coming from I guess um, I always make sure that the um, client's not only talking about their individual symptom, but I ask questions about their family systems as well. I have a little bit of training in family systems therapy, and I did a part of my internship at um, Family Systems Institute. So what I do is get them to talk about, for instance, their parents, their parents' experiences, even maybe their grandparents, and to see how the intergenerational um, habits might have been transferred onto that person. And I guess not just habits, but also um, intergenerational traumas that also might have been worked on. So... And I guess the habits are in response to that trauma. What kind of behaviours have you developed to cope? And are Mm -hmm. those behaviours helpful or unhelpful? And I think sometimes people only know what they know and they might Mm -hmm. be trapped because they've learnt what they've learnt from the environment 
they don't know what else to do. So I think yeah. that's why people come to see me or a psychologist or coach or social worker or counsellor to try to unlearn certain patterns and to understand mm-hmm. more about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's that like process of noticing what what isn't right right now and then figuring mm-hmm. out the strategies to move forward. Mm, that's good. Yes. And I think a part of um, many people that I've worked with in the past, I guess, it's about helping people to get out of that stuck situation. But sometimes there's a lack of direction on how to move forward. And I think um, I really like to focus on both. So giving those people strategies to, to change their situation behaviorally or to think um, differently can really help them to, to know and understand what goal they're moving forward towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there are more and more therapies such as acceptance and commitment therapy that's really helping people to, um, to do just that. And that is to learning to see your thoughts differently and understanding what type of goals you want to move forward towards. Mm -hmm. And it uses a lot of mindfulness-based interventions to help that person, whereas um, I guess a more Western therapy would be something like CBT, which is cognitive behaviour therapy, Mm -hmm. that um, helps people to challenge their thoughts and to see that situation differently by questioning what they are thinking so that they can learn to think more realistically. Interesting. Yeah, it's cool to hear you talk about the different, the different strategies there. Um, Act is about, you know, thoughts are thoughts. Um, we can't get rid of negative thoughts. Actually, we both have negative and positive thoughts, but when we're having negative experiences, Let's learn different strategies to kind of move past that or move through that without struggling or fighting against it. Mm. Whereas cognitive behavior therapies, let's learn to think differently so that we can behave differently. So that's the main difference. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. I know um, for my own journey, I have learned... um, I'm not sure which category that would fall into, but just kind of the process of, of noticing my thoughts um, and mm. then determining, okay, like this is, this is not a beneficial thought process. Um, how mm. do I want to shift it? Or do I need to feel this first? Do I need to finish out the thought and allow myself to feel this feeling and then move forward? Or do I just need to like shift directions? Um, mm. Which I, I think, think is an interesting. more of a mindfulness-based therapy something Mm. like act. Mm. That's so fun. I love learning about these different things. (laughs) So when you're working with people, um, is there a specific area that you kind of specialize in with people? Um, I know you, you care about holistic mental health um, and those pieces. Is there like a topic um, or type of person that you, I, I guess, would consider your target audience? Um, Yes, I guess the most of the people that come to see me are maybe people in their 20s or 30s that are experiencing some form of anxiety and people who are also experiencing depression as well. 
um, a lot of the clients that I see might also have symptoms of OCD and that feeling of um, not knowing um, what to do with their life or their career or having a lack of sense of direction and then mm. maybe developing different types of unhelpful ways such as OCD um, to control what they can't control. Mm. It is really a difficult um, era to live in, I think, with for young people because there's so much uncertainty in this world right now. I think, you know, with climate change going on and um, just how rapidly our world is changing, um, mm-hmm. many people are experiencing this sense of anxiety and it's just so sad because a lot of people, they feel like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? And they compare themselves to others who actually might be feeling the same way as they are but just not showing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was that was kind of what I wanted to mention is I feel like it's um, such an interesting age that we're in right now where we have a lot of people that are actually starting to really take a look at their past, their childhood, um, which I think is interesting to notice. But also um, there seems to be this recognition that the more time goes on, the faster paced our jobs get. And the more anxiety that's creating um, and we're becoming very disconnected from our bodies um, and it's mm. more, you know, you're just getting stuff done and you never actually get a chance to process. Um, and it's starting mm. at a younger and younger age as well. Agree yeah. With you. mm. yeah. It's just such an interesting perspective, but then also the things you were talking about with climate change, with, um, like I said, again, just like a faster paced career. And there's just a lot of expectation, I think, where um, we've lost the appreciation for slowness. We've lost an appreciation for um, our bodies in a lot of way where we want to keep going. We need to keep going. So we need a quick mm-hmm. fix. You know, we, we can't tap into ourselves, we have to find, take a pill or we have to, you know, figure out a quick solution so we can mm-hmm. keep catching up. Um, I think it's, it's so important for people to, to learn to slow down and to just feel mm-hmm. what they need to feel. People are um, moving at such a fast pace and at younger and younger ages, um, people are, asked to know what they want to do for the rest of their life and I think that's really hard um and people really just need to be less harsh on themselves about mm. their career and their life and many of the thoughts that people think to value and mm. you know striving towards a goal that other people want from you you're going to get yeah. lost within yourself mm. Mm. that was good Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Um, This conversation kind of leads into another thing I know you're passionate about, which is living with purpose. And a lot of what you've already talked about kind of integrates this living with purpose where when you are struggling with anxiety, when you are, you know, feeling the ramifications of various conditioning, it can hinder you from discovering your purpose. Um, so I'd love if you can speak to more about what living with purpose means to you and what the process of supporting people in finding that looks like. Okay. I guess, you know, living with purpose is about 
knowing what really matters to you and knowing what you value deep in your heart. And it's not about trying to get rid of certain experiences or um, not wanting to have certain things happen to you in your life. So, for instance, at a really early age, I lost my father and I also went through a natural disaster which is the great Hanshin Daishinsai earthquake. And we lost our family home. And only a year after that is when my father died in a car accident. And mm. despite having those experiences in my life, I actually really value that even though he's not alive, he has taught me through his death to really appreciate life. So... Mm even though you might go through a lot of pain and suffering and unwanted things that just is completely out of control, like death and natural disasters and your family breaking up, you mm-hmm. can't help that. And it's not as if my own family has broken up, but I know that a lot of people have experienced that. So it's about seeing those things happen to you and still understanding what you want out of your own life and what kind of journey um, you are on and moving forward towards what really matters to you. So for me, it's about helping people understand their purpose and I believe that's my purpose in life. For others, it could be, Um, connecting to nature or to animals or it could be about creating art or whatever it is that they're interested in it could be about sharing their knowledge through education or um, learning specific skills um, like a surgeon or nurse might to be able to help others it's Mm. so many different things but understanding what you're good at and how you want to use that to help the broader community and society, I think that's what living with purpose is about. It's not only understanding yourself, but how can you influence and impact other people in different ways? And it doesn't always have to be a grand gesture. It could simply be calling a friend and being there for that person or starting a small um, organisation to help the animals in need whatever it is that you can do to mm-hmm. to put that forward into practice yeah I love that I was actually listening to a podcast or um like an audio lesson earlier today and it was interesting because the the people I were list- was listening to they were talking about how Oprah had an interview at one point where she was sharing about how she felt her purpose was mm raising consciousness in people. Her mode her mode of doing that happened to be television. Like and she she mm-hmm. learned this kind of along the way. She didn't know when she started out that that was her purpose, but kind of mm-hmm. as she leaned into her strengths and as mm-hmm. she continued to to grow and um, she actually was able to recognize that like okay, this is the mode of how I'm communicating and how I'm getting like doing my work. And the actual purpose is raising consciousness. And I thought that was really interesting and also just really helpful to understand and recognize that like sometimes our our gifts and our strengths, that's the mode that we use 
to actually accomplish our purpose. Like our passion and our purpose are like kind of separate, but they work together to create a life of purpose. Um, I just yes, thought that was really beautiful. I, I think that's really beautiful how you mentioned that, how Oprah's purpose is to raise consciousness and her uh, TV show was just the mode in which to do it. And I think sometimes, like you were saying, um, maybe the mode might come first and then you create purpose out of that or maybe the purpose might come first and then the mode might naturally start to develop. And um, I think life is just a really interesting journey but as soon as you decide, you know, what you want to do, sometimes things just start to flow um, when that vision becomes more and more clear to you. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way Oprah had a really clear vision from the very beginning of what she wanted to do and therefore she was able to find um, people and modes to support her. Mm. Mm. That's really good. I love that. I'm curious, how do you personally, so as you um, work with people, how do you personally support people as they follow their sense of purpose or as they like, um, like, do you have any systems or processes that you utilize to help people discover their purpose? Um, I guess, first of all, it's really about understanding, helping that person understand their unique um, individuality and situation. So it could start off with just having a conversation about what stage of life they feel like they are at and helping that person to identify certain strengths and maybe weaknesses that they have as well. Mm. And I think through that conversation of just expressing their wants, their needs, um, their hardships and the difficulties that they might be experiencing in life, You get to understand um, that person's um, individual um, life perspective and situation. And how I help people is to get them to identify what they feel is missing between where they want to be and where they are at at the moment. And we navigate um, their life and identify identify different steps in order to get there Mm. Mm. yeah that's beautiful I love that Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to just that forward movement yes I think in each individual I usually tailor my intervention according to that person and what they want so sometimes somebody really might want a straightforward method and they want me to draw up on the whiteboard, you know, how to get there, um, what they need to do. And other people, they just want to naturally flow and just take things as they come. So that method really depends on that person's individual personality. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely. That's awesome that you're able to uh, really just join the the client in that and be able to just really journey with them in whatever way works for them. That's great. Hmm. I think it's all about just adapting. Yeah, hmm. that's awesome. So I know we've covered quite a bit already. We've hit on a lot of different things, kind of little little bits and nuggets throughout our conversations, which I love. Or um, I'm curious, do you have any specific topics that you feel you want to circle back on or that you're 
I don't know, that's, that are just like tugging at your heartstrings that you kind of want to discuss in, in a deeper capacity? Um, I guess maybe talking a little bit more about what holistic mental health might be. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. let's do it. Um, I talked a lot about someone's family system and how that might influence their um, current situation and their symptoms. But I also think it's really important to see that person's life and context and also look at different things within that individual, what they're doing and, for instance, what their health status might be, um, what kind of work environment that they're in. Mm. So I believe looking at that person's um, life in a holistic perspective is just really looking at their life and the different things in their life that might impact them. It could be their relationship. It could be um, some of their health behaviours. It could be um, their work environment. And, um, yeah, I think that's really important to consider all of those things. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, I know within my story, I when I was in an unhealthy work environment, I suddenly started experiencing a lot of fatigue and um, like acne and different things like that. And I was like, okay, like what is happening? I don't understand. And I feel like that's so important to recognize that um, not only is our, our mental state affected, but our physical body is also affected. And that can actually mm-hmm. be a great symptom of, okay, like something needs to shift. Like it's, you know, you're not just kind of feeling stuck in your work. It's actually affecting your body. It's actually affecting how you're able to show up in the world. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're all interconnected. Um, yeah. And I guess that's, that's when um, psychosomatic symptoms of stress starts to, to develop when you are in that state of fight or flight and like you were saying, what starts to respond in ways that developing acne or you lose weight or you gain a lot of weight. I think it's really important to to understand your body and how that is impacted by stress. And mm. um, a lot of people, I think, um, when they're hitting their 30s, they experience this change within their body and I think they find it difficult to to notice that and I'm seeing actually more and more people who are um, developing endometriosis Mm. and PCOS Mm. and that's still an area that I don't have um, too much uh, experience in but these people are coming to me saying that, you know, these are what my doc- this is what my doctor has told me um, I've been experiencing and we're just working our way through that. But these women who have developed these symptoms um, and these disorders, what I have noticed is that their life is just extremely stressful and I think mm-hmm. their body has just um, started to collapse and it's not always to do with just stress. I think some women they might have it in their genes um it's still quite an unknown area to me mm-hmm. but I thought that was an interesting um example of um physical problems also affecting your mental health 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really curious to see Mm -hmm. as um, more research is done into things like that, how, how we can discover things like like cancer or um, I don't know, just various other diseases, if there is any connection to past trauma, um, whether it's in that individual mm-hmm. or in generations past, just because like, I know I've done a lot of research into that to try and figure out, because I know that there's different traumas in my family and I find it so mm-hmm. interesting to try and connect those dots and see. Um, but it's very much like what you said. I feel like there's... Um, there's a lot to be done as far as researching that um, to get statistics and um, like hard facts, I guess, on those interconnectivity. Because I think even within the medical field, like you were saying, there's just so much unknown. Like one of my clients was saying, I went to one doctor and told me that I'll never be able to have babies again because I have endometriosis and PCOS. Whereas I went to another doctor and they told me, um, I can still have children. And like you were saying, that research of intergenerational trauma and also within the medical field um, is is still quite an un, untouched area, I guess. It is being researched on, but answers haven't been found. Even, for instance, like you were saying, for cancer, people can't understand the development or the cure yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I'm curious too, like this is, I'm just kind of, you, you've got me off on a rabbit trail now. Um, mm. I'm also so curious to see if there's any research um, over time about how so many of us work in an office environment where we sit so much. Um, and in the past, people are out working a lot more. Um, and this is just in the past hundred or hundred years or so that this has happened. Um and I would be curious to, to see if there's any connection between our bodies being able to physically, you know, get out and work and process um, things because, you know, trauma is stored inside of us, from what I understand, or just, you know, we store a lot in our bodies. And since we've shifted to office environments, it seems like, um, along with and, uh, many other factors, um, it seems like disease has just become a lot more pre- prevalent. Um, I don't know. I'm, that's just something that I'm also intrigued to see if there's any research done in the future. <laughs> I definitely think that, you know, being in that type of environment, like an office environment where you might be sitting in one spot or you're always having the same experiences within that context can really restrict your thinking and also processing because you're always in the same place. Your mind doesn't have an opportunity to be able to experience different things. Like if you're outdoors, you can um, smell the air, you can hear the birds, you can feel the wind against your skin. And I think all of those different senses um, needs to interconnect together in order for you to process um, certain experiences that you're having in life. However, if you're just going to and from one location to the other, Mm. um, there's no opportunity to be able to experience something different. So you get stuck in this loop. And like you were saying, too, I'm interested in seeing more research, but I think just um, theoretically and philosophically, it makes sense to me that Mm. it would be causing more um, diseases. And I'm sure that there are researchers out there 
um, that has supported that theory as well. For sure. Mm. Mm. Always interesting to think about these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really passionate about that actually, about um, the way that we live. It's, it's, it's so restricting and I think there are so many different ways um, that people are, uh, there are so many new ways that people are creating to mm. live a life where they can um, not be so restricted. And I think that's the exciting part of the next generation, which is, you know, um, there are a lot of people who are working from home or working outdoors. And I hope that we see more of that shift because I think mm -hmm. that that possibility is there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I feel like as we, as we begin to wrap up, I have a couple additional questions, but I just also just want to say thank you so much for bringing all of this to the table. I feel like I'm feeling so inspired just um, by all of these different topics. I want to just keep researching things. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, no worries. Thanks so much for having me again. Yeah, I love it. I mean, um, at the beginning of the session, before we started recording, um, I heard a little bit about your story and I hope that you get to share it with the audience too because I think mm. that would be really interesting for everyone to hear. Yeah, definitely. I hope mm. to do that for sure. So as a mm. few final kind of wrap-up questions, um, one of my favourites is how do you start your morning? Um, I start off my morning almost every day going outside and going for a walk. And um, if not walking, I really enjoy running as well. So I like to go by the river and run and feel the wind against my skin and just having that moment to myself. And mm. while I'm doing that, I think about all the different things that I really appreciate in my life. And, you know, I feel so grateful for being in the situation that I am in, having the people around me that I love and, just reminding myself of that every day really just helps me to connect with myself. And mm. I think that's a really important um, part of my day. And after that, I like to come home and do a little bit of meditation. Um, I recommend this app called Waking Up. It's narrated by Sam Harris. Um, it's, it's a really, um, I think, it's really difficult to describe, but you have to try it. <laughs> it's different than any other apps that I used, like I've used um, Insight Timer and um, Headspace, which I really enjoyed. But yeah. uh, this this is really like a step by You feel like you're progressing through the meditation practices, and I felt like my mind has begun to really expand. It's really... Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like they're taking you through different levels without you noticing. Really enjoy that. That's awesome. I'll have to download that. If people don't like using apps to meditate, I think just simply just sitting down and um, just reciting to yourself what's important to you today and to just understand your intentions, what you would like to fulfill in your day as another it's another step that you can take instead of meditating if that's not for you. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Mm. Mm. Who are some of your favorite role models when it comes to mental health and living with purpose? Mm. 
Um, I guess one of my favorite role models is Stephen Hayes. He's the um, creator and founder of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Um, he's done a lot of research to um, support acceptance and commitment theory and relational frame theory, which he's the creator of. Um, mm. I also really look up to people like Russ Harris, who is an um, uh, ACT trainer and practitioner. Um, I've learned a lot through his books and um, just the way that he tries to help Western people really understand maybe um, mindfulness and Eastern philosophies that's incorporated into therapy. He does it in a way that's really practical and easy to understand. And um, mm. I also look up to my uh, director at, at the Brisbane Act Centre, Dr. Robert Percy. The reason why I look up to him is because he really is um, passionate about helping people educate um, helping people by educating them about medication. So most psychiatrists, they might prescribe you something and off you go. You don't get to know mo much of like the negative side effects or how long you should stay on it for. But Rob really tells you about, you know, um, what could go wrong, what could go right. And also really encourages people not to rely on the medication. So for mm. instance... Sometimes I've seen people in their early 20s who've been on medication since they're 16 years old. And because of that, they might have problems with sexual dysfunction or um, they might have um, just a really flat mood so they don't feel any highs or lows. Mm. And it's really sad for a young person to go through that because they're just doing what their doctor told them to do, which is to continue to take this medication. But they didn't, they weren't told for how long. So mm. Dr. Rob Percy might talk to that person and say to them, you know, it's not right for you to be on this forever. So let's learn some practical um, strategies to deal with your situation differently and wean you off this medication. So that's what he's really passionate about, finding people who might not be on the right type of medication or who's been on medication for too long mm. and weaning them off it because it's not something that you should rely on. And it's difficult to find psychiatrists who actually believe in that philosophy. Yeah. So he really is a great person to be around and just to learn a lot from. Definitely. That's really cool. Hmm. So those are my three um, people that I really look up to. And of course, my mentor, Jensen Young, who encouraged me to start Ikigai Psychology Clinic. And um, without him, I don't think that I could be here where I am today. Hmm. That's awesome. Hmm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so on your journey as a business owner, what is one way that you lean in when things get difficult? Um, I think it's just to take a step back and get some perspective. Because mm. sometimes, for instance, you might be um, looking at the numbers or just really focusing on just one area. Whereas when you take a step back and just see, okay, wait a second, what are some of the things that I have achieved so far? Um, what are some of the difficulties that I'm experiencing right now? 
and just trying to see that, okay, I might have a challenge, but it doesn't mean that this challenge is going to last forever. It's just mm. something that's happening yeah. right now. And just reminding myself how far I have come, I think that's um, really important. Mm. Mm. Definitely. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. So then as we wrap up, how can we find you online? Um, you can find me online on my website, which is www.ikigaipsychology.com.au or contact me through my email, contact at ikigaipsychology.com.au or find me on Instagram, which is ikigai underscore psychology. Awesome. And any final thoughts, uh, new releases or projects that we can be um, keeping an eye out for as we enter the new year? Um, yes. Well, I've actually started writing a book about Ikigai psychology, which won't be released for a while now, but um, I'm also doing um, workshops and that will be happening in in 2020 maybe sometime in the middle of the year and I also just wanted to let everybody know I provide online therapy as well so if you wanted to um to do online counseling and you're somewhere around the world that's not Australia um we could always chat through that as well mm. yeah mm. that's awesome I love um I love how technology allows us to do those things now where um I know the coach that I worked with, I have never even been to her city before, but it works great because um, through Zoom, we can connect and um, it's just yeah. as though we were in person. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's it's amazing, our, our time and what we can mm -hmm. do in this world. Yeah. Using Definitely. the technology that we have. For sure. Um, and mm -hmm. also so exciting that you're writing a book that is going to be fantastic I'm sure so that's really yeah. exciting and I can't wait for that that'll be fun thanks Megan yeah well thank you so much for being here with me today and I just really appreciate your time and um I know that you're it's like morning where you're at and um, it's evening here um so I just want to say thanks for starting your morning out um with me this has been fun <laughs> Oh, no worries. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time speaking to you and getting to know you. And maybe one day we might meet in person. <laughs> yes, for sure. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Reclamation Podcast. I hope it served you on your own reclamation journey and know that I'm rooting for you all the way. If you want to learn more about the show guests, head to the website, thereclamationpodcast.com. And if you found value in the show, five stars is always appreciated. Good things are coming for you. Bye for now.